Hello and welcome to The Big Review Ski. My name is Owen and look, it's Rory Cashin. How are you, Rory, today? I'm not too bad, Owen. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm looking forward to this. We've got a brand new Irish release mm. coming out here, Are the Young Men. Um, and that's, listen... Okay. That's everything I know about it. Can you tell me anything else? <laughs> I sure can. It has a very, very impressive cast, including uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, who you should know from The Queen's Gambit, uh, Ferdia Walsh-Pilo from Sing Street, uh, Dean Charles Chapman, who you might know from 1917, and also, I think, Game of Thrones, uh, Conlith Hill, who's definitely from Game of Thrones, uh, Travis Fimmel from Vikings, Numi Rapace, the original girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh, on, you're listing loads of famous... This, this, this is an incredible cast. It's a shockingly, shockingly stacked cast. And I'm not even done, but we could be literally here all day continuing on. But it is uh, adapted and directed by Mr. Omakin, who people may know more from in front of the camera. He was in uh, Resident Evil, the final chapter. He was in... a. a I think it's called the the night shift was on a bit. It was a big show in the states a few years ago. Um, he was in Merlin as well. The, the I think the BBC version of it. Uh, so yeah, so he is behind the camera on this one. Uh, it tells the story of three best friends in two thousand and three Dublin who have just finished secondary school, and it's kind of their their summer of freedom before they have to decide what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. Um, but a series of kind of troubling events sets them off in uh, in different uh, life-changing paths. Okay, amazing. The trailer for this is up on Joe currently, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's up there. And the movie will be available on PVOD platforms, I believe, from Friday, April 30th. Okay, so this is your chat with writer and director, Mr. Owen Mackin. Mr. Owen Mackin, how are you today? How are you doing there, boss? How is Australia? I don't know. I haven't left my hotel room. How many days into your quarantine are you now? I'm on day 10 slash 11. Of 14? Yeah. Right. I'd say, I'd say you'll go nuts right around day 13. Yeah, you know, Lee, Lee Cronin just did it in New Zealand and he told me day nine and after day seven or eight, I was like, what are you talking about? This is great. I was just watching, I was just like sitting here watching Scorsese movies and drinking wine and then yesterday it got really difficult. It hit, it hit bad. Yeah. <laughs> but at least you got to do interviews to break it up, so. I'm not going to lie to you, this is, this is the most fun. <laughs> like, and then when I saw you on this, I was like, oh, this is great. I'm just going to talk to my mate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, enjoy. Uh, but we, we we will talk a little bit about your film, I think we should. Yeah. Here are the young men. Congratulations. Um, finally got to see it. Um, it's, yeah, it's well, you know, first of all, I, I, everyone needs to be congratulated just for making a film in the first place. Uh, so congratulations on that. Uh, second of all, congrats getting it out in the middle of a pandemic because that's never easy. And third, it's got one of the most impressive eclectic cast lists of an Irish film maybe ever. Normally when it's an Irish film you'll get maybe one international star and then a load of Irish actors surrounding them. And in this you've got so many great character actors and you you seem to have a really good eye for picking younger actors who are like literally overflowing with talent like all the 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 kind of the the core quartet I guess at the top of it. 
are all fantastic. Is that um, difficult for you as someone who was an actor to to cast in your movies, or or would you say it actually makes you more harsh? No, uh, <clears throat> I think I think I was really specific uh, with the casting in this movie, and and I wanted I wanted every character to be to be important. Uh, you know, so so even even when you've got someone like you know Emmett Scanlon, who you know comes in for two scenes, that he creates a character that that that's very very well defined and you care about. You have Connet Hill who comes in and only has a couple of scenes, and Susan Lynch and Ralph and Yace, and they come in and give this incredible gravitas to everything and just elevates what that character is in just a couple of scenes. I think it's really hard to do. And and I think it just gives the movie it just gives the movie more of a a, a, a universe, you know. Mm. And with with Ferdia, Finn and Dean, um I was really specifically trying to get three actors that I figured would have a dynamic together. Because it's all very well and good going, I'm gonna cast this person because they're great. That wasn't really the main thing for me was actually creating a dynamic, you know, and, and, and I knew very early on that when I met Dean for the first time, I was like, this guy has to be Matthew. And so then deciding who was going to play Carney was very heavily based on who Matthew was going to be. And I was like, OK, Carney is going to be Finn is going to be a really good foil towards Dean. And, and the two of them as actors are going to work. And that's when I was allowed to go, OK, this is how this is why Ferdia will work. And then when I knew who who that Finn and Dean were going to play, Matt, they were the only people that actually met for all these all these parts. You know, I only only met Finn and Dean, and once I met them, that was it. And and then I knew, okay, well, Anya's Anya's the perfect foil towards Dean, and you can see the two of them together in a kind of relationship capacity. You can see Dean and Finn being best mates. You can see Ferdia being a part of that group, but being slightly separate. And that's what kind of allows that casting to happen as opposed to just kind of just picking random actors. I really wanted to get the dynamic right, you know, and that was the most important thing. Yeah. Like Finn, uh, in, in particular as, as Carney, uh, it's, it's an interesting relationship because there is that kind of loyalty to your mates, even though <laughs> if you take a step back, you're like, this is, I don't need this person in my life right now. <laughs> They're such an awful person. Um, like would there been any particular kind of, touchstones or you know influences for for him playing Carney because it was like it did feel quite lived in it did feel uh, genuine but it like every now and again I I could be just me but I was like there's a bit of Travis Bickle in him and there's a bit of Jake there's a bit of Patrick Bateman in him as well yeah yeah there, there was and, and and it was it was you know, myself and Finn had, had, a, had a bunch of conversations about that and was trying to find, I think he had a reference for a, a person he knew in his head from his own life. And, and, and so did I, where you kind of, you know, you do actually know that one person. Mm. Obviously in the film, their, Carney's character is amplified, but he is basically a version of that person that we all know. We're like, this is the kind of guy who, who just goes over the edge and, and could very well push things beyond what they should be just if he just happens to just go down that direction. And I think Finn did a really good job of that, of of trying to play, I want him to, you know, he's trying to play essentially almost a burgeoning sociopath, but at the same time, someone who's so charismatic, you're kind of okay with it because he's still your mate. And and Finn had to be that character that you, you believed Matthew would still follow him and be his mate, but at the same time, sort of forgive what this guy's doing because he's his mate, 
but also be like, holy shit, this guy's been doing all this stuff and he's my mate and I've never really addressed it because he's so clever about it, mm. you know? And, and that's kind of then what I wanted to bring through with Travis, whereby Travis becomes obviously, you know, a, a, a metaphorical amalgamation of a character, but he almost becomes this overseer towards Carney's character. And you're kind of seeing the stepping stones of where these characters could go from a toxic masculinity point of view if they're not actually addressed and just how that could happen, you know? Yeah, like I, I, I was, well, I, I was going to build up to, to Travis's appearances in this, but we're in it now. Uh, like that scene where he, he rocks out in the lady's dress and the tights and the high heels. And then I think it's that same scene as well where he holds Numi Rapace at gunpoint. Yeah. Um, like that's, that's quite an attention grabbing scene for a number of reasons. Um, but when, when you're filming a scene like that, which kind of needs to be so heightened, like it's obviously not reality. Um, do you find yourself changing your dynamic, your energy on set that day to be like, this needs to be way up or is it like every day is the same for you? No, 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 no. It, it was like working with Travis. Uh, I mean, I, Honestly, I, I adore Travis as a person and as an artist. And I mean that because the guy is an actual artist because he just committed to what he was doing. And he brought this energy to it where like when Travis is on set, like the energy is just way up there. And especially with his character, with that scene in particular, it was, it was quite a delicate scene. And thankfully, you know, Travis and Numi wanted to, wanted to kind of push that scene to that place because they believed in what it should be. And that it only really works if you kind of take it that way. Mm. And so the way to do that was just to kind of go for it, you know, and, and honestly shooting that scene was, was a little bit bananas because I think it made people uncomfortable on set and people were like, what is happening? <laughs> um, and, but it also became super fun, you know? I mean, I mean, how often are you going to get to do a scene like that? Yeah, that's what I, like it, it did. I just remember it, like, as it was happening, I was like, oh my God, like the, it was, uh, it was such a unique kind of energy to it that I was I was curious, like when the energy on in front of the camera changes, do you find as a director your energy changes as well? Yeah, it did. It did. It, it, it was actually very invigorating doing those scenes because it kind of felt like you're doing something that was like, this is a little bit, it's a little bit nuts mm. and it's a bit, and, and it's really on the edge. And you got all these people like Finn and Travis and Numi and even Jill have to really commit to what they're doing. You know, and then when that's happening, it was like kind of it was really quite special because you're kind of you're kind of like the, it's it's just it's up there. And you're also in quite a tight shooting schedule. So you're just kind of um, shooting it was probably even more powerful than even seen in the film, you know, in like because of like almost like a live theater type thing that was happening because we only had a short time to do it. Yeah. And Travis just brings this energy man where he's just like he's just this larger than life sort of volcano. Plus he rocks the dress, so it, it worked out. <laughs> the, the dress was his choice. That wasn't my choice. That was his. He just arrived on set like that, and you're like, all right, I'll leave you to it. Yeah, um, it. No problem. Got it. Uh, the one thing Travis did uh, escape from, I guess, in a way, was having to do an Irish accent. Now, doing an Irish accent has brought down some of the biggest actors in history. Like, you see it, they try, you just look at the Wild Mountain Time trailer. 
and you're like, oh, Emily, I understand you tried, but it didn't quite work out. When when you're casting this, was that ever a concern where you're like, since it's set in Ireland, would it not just be easier to cast everyone Irish rather than have to maybe fight that upcoming concern? No, because I knew I had Chris Newman as a voice coach, so it was great. I okay. mean, <laughs> no, I, actually, to be honest with you, um, I, I had them all work with a voice coach, but fundamentally to me, the most important thing was actually, I, I, I believe, was, was actually having uh, the right actors for the, for the part and, and kind of because I wanted the movie to feel as universal as possible. Hmm. And, and, you know, if, if there was going to be an issue with an accent, I, I, I was willing to kind of figure out how we, could, how we could work on that. But actually, all three of them, I thought, did a really, really good job and they're all really talented, so they all did a they all did a really good job with the accent. But for me, also fundamentally, grown in that time, there's so many different accents in Ireland. So if, if someone had a slightly different variation of an Irish accent, that's okay because there's so many different nationalities that are kind of half Irish. I kind of wanted to miss that. And then also as an actor, I go off and do American accents or British accents. So I didn't want to be like, well, no one else can do an Irish accent, but it's okay for me to go and do an American accent. Yeah, you know, I was like, I want to get the right actors, and then and then they can go and work in the accents. And, and then make it make it make it work you know that was the most important thing yeah well like i said you were you were you were blessed with a, a talented cast so it, it worked out but it was just yeah. i was curious if it was you're like should i just is it just easier just to leave that be with a no, with no, Irish no, 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 no you're not you're not wrong i did i did think about it but at the same time i just thought you know fundamentally i think if the if the film and the themes even though it's an irish movie and based off an irish book i wanted it to be as universal as possible and I wanted to be as accessible as possible. And that wasn't the overriding thing. The overriding thing was, let me get the actors that, that work, that become these characters first and foremost, fundamentally. Mm. And then if I leave them, then you can kind of, the rest of it should kind of fall into place. Yeah, and just just like in, in terms of the themes, I guess, like there is, it's Ireland 2003. Um, I was like... Was there anything specific about this when you were when you were adopting it, where you're like, I could have just put this in 2019 or 2020 when you were filming it, you know, you, you didn't necessarily have to put it in 2003, um, but there was it was again it comes down to Carney where it was like he he actually feels a bit like what Ireland was in 2003, uh, yeah. just kind of there's wild abandon and there's no repercussions to my actions. Don't worry about it. And then you're like, no way, it's it's coming. Like there's bad there's bad stuff coming in the, uh, over the horizon. But like, do you did you like think about switching up the setting, or was there something about no, 2003? No. You're like, this is no, this is when no, this no, needs I, to be. It had, had to be 2003 because that was when that was when I was I had just finished schools in college. That was when the book was set. And I think I thought about it. We did actually discuss that at one stage because it would have been easier to make the movie in a contemporary setting. But for me, I, I wanted like I remember reading this thing that's good. Not that Scorsese talked about when he was when he was making um, uh, Goodfellas, how he wanted the music to be representative of the time. Mm. So he couldn't have music that was done before that. You know, if 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 the if the if the, if the time period was 1977, he didn't want to have music that was from 1985 or whatever. Now it wasn't quite as extreme as that, but I wanted to have. Joy Division and Primal Cream and Chemical Brothers and stuff. And for me, that was when I grew up and listened to that type of music was in the late 90s, early 2000s. And that was kind of a bit more of that kind of clubby rave scene in Ireland. And I think that music meant something. And I think that while a lot of the themes are, are sort of can still universal in terms of what, what these guys go through, what the kids go through, what they see and kind of the archetypes of their characters, I think that 
the theme of, of, of media and what it represented and, and that kind of wild abandon and that kind of uncertainty and the kind of sense that America looms slightly as a larger entity. I yeah. think that's become a bit more homogenous now. And also with social media and stuff, there would, it would have been a slightly different movie because you would have had to have different themes because you would have to bring in that kind of social media element. It would have changed the TV show. I wanted to kind of keep that as a sort of a slightly raw, almost requiem for a dream element where it still wasn't fully understood mm. and it was still slightly distant. And so when someone went to America in the late 90s, early 2000s, like they go into J1, they were gone for the summer, you know, and you, you couldn't stay in touch with them every two seconds. You might yeah. get the audio, but that was basically it. If they went now, they'd be on FaceTime every six seconds. So you don't have that same sense of distance and of someone going to a different place. So that's kind of why I needed to keep it uh, still 2003, you know? Yeah. And just, on, on a, I guess, on a more personal note for you, like you've been acting professionally, let's say, since 2006, directing professionally since around, I think, 2008. Um, so you have, you've almost like, grown up both in front of and behind the camera as Ireland's uh, kind of done the same thing, like in mm. terms of Ireland's cinema output, you can see Ireland's been taken a lot more seriously uh, as an international uh, output for, for, for cinema and stuff. Uh, have you noticed a major change as an actor and as, uh, as a director? Yeah. Uh... I don't know. I haven't. I haven't thought about that before. I. Th- I, I that's interesting. Um, I think. I think that now there's. There's probably a lot more opportunities, and I think there's probably a lot more. Um, uh, you know, a lot of more of my of our contemporaries who are who are directors who are really really talented, who who I don't know if that if that same opportunity existed 15 or 20 years ago. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't know if I don't know if there was the same same opportunities for for actors and directors back then. And there seems to be now. There's like a huge amount of incredibly talented writers and directors in Ireland who are, who are, who are making really interesting things. I, I you think you're right. I think there was, there was a more specific type of movie made 15, 20 years ago. Right. And, and now, and now there's just a bigger, bigger tapestry of types of movies that people are making. And like people are making like Brian O'Malley going off and, 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 uh, and, and making dirty black bag and as a TV show in Italy for Braun media and Lee doing this and Brendan doing that. And I think, yeah, there's a, there's a bit more of a kind of variation towards the projects that that Irish directors make, I think. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, it's it's something I, I actively yeah. get very excited about when I see Irish filmmakers not just doing another uh, drama set in the famine. It's like, oh, you're well, doing something interesting. <laughs> well, it's like well, it's like Lorcan Finnegan doing Vivarium. You're probably right, I and mean, you might have made that movie. Might have been made 15, 20 years ago. That's exactly yeah. And just one last question: Why you're in Australia? How or will La Brea be going? We need a lot. We love Ray. Uh, shooting in Melbourne in two weeks for six months for NBC doing a, a TV show. Six months. Oh, La Brea. Yeah, it's a little bit like like Lost. This show. It's a kind of a high concept. Um, I can't remember. I think I did, yeah, something like that. Well, no pressure. Like you're only comparing it to one of the biggest shows of all time. So, no yeah. pressure there. <laughs> You got it. You got it. Then you won't be disappointed. Of course you won't. Owen, thank you so much for your time today. It's a pleasure. So yeah, so I actually forgot to mention at the start uh, that myself and Mr. O'Macken know each other from the real world. That's why it was a slightly more loosey-goosey interview than, uh, than maybe our listeners are used to. 
Can I? No. Can I just? I'm hurt, oh. Rory, because oh. you always promised me mm. that you had one friend called Owen, and I always thought you were talking about me. But now I realize this entire time you've been chatting about Owen Mack and writer director. Does it help at all if every time it doesn't help? No. I say I have one friend named Owen. It's actually neither of you. What? There's another <laughs> one. Now he spells it differently, Both. so it's it's a different it's a different rule. So it counts differently. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. it definitely counts. Um, I actually, do you know what? Yeah. I actually know Owen Mack, and I don't know if you know this from the real world as well. Well, I say no. We were in college at the same time. I don't know if anybody has actually seen Owen uh, in person or seen him in in one of his shows or films. He is an incredibly handsome man. And whenever I was in uh, UCD studying, he used to literally walk around and people used to like fall over, like trying to crane a look at him. He was he was that good looking. So I'm delighted that it also turns out he's really talented writer, director, actor and good looking person. So that's and that he's well, I'm glad to hear he's not actually your other own friend. Yeah. Well, you know how much of a fan we are of uh, anyone in life who, <laughs> of the- who just it just feels like God is giving with both hands. Um and I, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not just, better in any way. No, no, no. Just nothing but joy and, and happiness for, for these people who are, have been gifted in uh, in every way that we're not. Yeah, well, listen, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Bitter Review Scheme uh, this week. Um, Owen, that's Rory. Thank you to Sound, Paul, and Sound. And please do uh, subscribe to the show as well. Uh, you can check out our other interviews there. Um, some great ones recently, including the stars of... Uh, the brand new Fast and Furious film. Um, speaking of other talented people, Vin Diesel, John Cena, Michelle Rodriguez, and mm. Justin Lin are there as well. And don't forget to check out TBR Spotlight as well, where we're focusing on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, Roy, listen, <laughs> I'm going to go and figure out ways where I can actually become uh, an even better friend to you, just so that you can count me as your number one pal. Number one Owen. I mean, let's not aim too high. Oh God, you just say the most horrible things. <laughs> See you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.